0: What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone.
1: We are continuing a short two-week series on the call of God, and last week I shared how some people are convinced God has no calling on their lives at all, but we found that that's not true. There is, at the very least, A general calling on all of our lives to put our trust in God and to live bearing fruit in our lives. That fruit is things like loving God and loving others. It means we recognize that God is already at work in other people's lives and we need to join in with God in being a blessing to them. Now today we are shifting from that general call to asking if there is a specific way that God can call us. Does God call you to a certain job or a certain person? Are you violating God's will if you don't take a specific action? We're going to hear our scripture for today from Stephanie. She is going to read from the letter to the Ephesians. The Apostle Paul is imprisoned, probably in Rome, for preaching about Jesus. And he shares this wisdom with the people of Ephesus, a city in what we would call today the country of Turkey. This is Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. Hear now the word
0: of the Lord. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge, and of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro, and blown about in every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness, and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament, with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love.
1: And from Isaiah 65, 24. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, may we be an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Do a work in our hearts as we seek to pursue your will and your call in our lives. Help us to understand your word for us today. Amen. When I was in middle school, we had a class called Home Economics. Mostly they taught us the fundamentals of sewing so you can hem your own clothes and cooking so you won't make yourself sick. Now, when I took this class, I was sure it would be a complete waste of time. I don't like sewing, and I don't like cooking. My wife wife complains all the time how I am completely satisfied with pre-made food you buy at a grocery store. I have the taste buds of a barbarian. But somehow this class that seemed worthless to me at the time has proven its value. To this day, when buttons pop off of my jacket or my shirt, which seems to be happening more and more every couple of pounds I gain, weird, I know, Uh, but I get out my needle and thread and sew them right back on. Uh, It's a skill I didn't think I would need, and yet it's worth its weight in gold. Uh, There was one more thing I remember well from this class. At the very beginning of the year, they had us take an interest survey that could help predict our future occupation. You'd answer a bunch of questions, and it would match you up with a line of work that best reflected the things you are interested in. I was surprised when I found questions about religion on it, and I thought, oh, maybe it will affirm how religious I am. Maybe it will say I should become a pastor. I grew up in a very religiously devout home, and I knew that career would make my parents proud. So when the teacher handed out the reports, I couldn't wait to get mine. What would it say? What occupation should I have? As I scanned my report, it broke it down into a list of occupations, and at the very top, the number one occupation that best matched my interests was a farmer. Now. Nothing against farmers, but that was not what I was going to do with my life. In fact, I couldn't do that for a job. I have killed every single living plant I have ever cared for. I've even watered fake plants. That means I've even managed to kill the plants that were not alive to begin with. Farming was the last job on earth that I could do well. Uh, Today, this is especially funny to me because my two children have been saying for years that they want to be farmers when they grow up. Uh, That's only just starting to change in this last year. But on the form, I had to scroll down the list past factory worker and forest ranger before I found somewhere at number eight or nine, the occupation of pastor. I think every day of my working life, has been in contradiction of that occupation predictor. I would have been awful in most of those jobs, but somehow this particular role as a pastor suits me. Now, sometimes I wonder, and especially on tough days, I think, could I do something else? Could I succeed at other things in life? And if it's a really bad day, I pray, God, you want me to do something else, right? You have another job out there for me. Uh, We all have those sorts of moments. We have times where we aren't sure if the thing we're doing is the right thing for us. Is this really the right thing for me, or did I somehow wind up in the wrong occupation? Did the occupation predictor make a mistake when it comes to me? Work, though, is just one area of our lives. Perhaps even more important than the work we do are the people we connect with, For some, it may be your parents or friends or your neighborhood. I think especially on this Valentine's Day of my wife. You know, I have no doubts in my mind about my relationship with Emily, but I can certainly think of people who have really struggled with their relationship with a loved one. When things get tough, they may wonder, am I in the right relationship? Certainly when things get to the level of abuse or neglect, we can sympathize with people asking those questions. Is this the right relationship? We may even ask God, God, do you want me to be with this person? Do you want me to marry them? Do you want me to stay or go? We might even ask God for a sign. Uh, when I was in college, I remember a professor of mine talking about how we think about some of our relationships. He said many people come to college practicing what he referred to as Dot-ism, everyone on campus was looking for his or her dot, the person they would marry. And people felt they had to weed through everyone on campus to find their one perfect match, their lifelong companion. But the professor offered us a sobering thought. He said, well, what happens if someone marries the wrong dot? What if they end up going to a different school or your paths just never cross? Does that mess it up for everyone else? Do you miss out on love because one person couldn't figure out who they were supposed to be with? Or is that just not how it works? Is there something else at play when it comes to love? This is a pretty good parallel for our question today concerning the call of God. We are asking whether God has a specific call On our lives or is there something else at play I'd like to do a quick survey of the word call in the Bible before we come back to our passage today in Ephesians Uh, a survey just means a quick look at all the different times the word shows up in the Bible so if you pull out a concordance or type the word call into your Bible app you'll see it shows up hundreds of times this is a very popular word but how is it used Over and over, it's a very casual use. One person calls to another. People call out to God. A person calls something by a name. Nothing too special there, but there are a couple of places we have to wonder about this call. Abraham is told by God, go from your country to the land that I will show you. This land of course is the future nation of Israel and though the word call never actually shows up in the whole story of Abraham it looks like God is calling him to a to very specific things a promised land a large family as numerous as the stars in the sky and that through Abraham all the earth would be blessed. If you keep looking for callings in the Bible, you'll find the story of Samuel. He was just a boy living and working in the temple. One night he heard a voice say, Samuel, Samuel, and he thought it was the head priest, Eli. So he went to him. But when he got there, Eli said, I didn't call you. It happened three times until finally the priest realizes, oh, this must be God speaking to him. And he tells him, next time you hear the name, uh, your name called, say speak for your servant is listening and when young Samuel does this he hears from God that the priest Eli has been very wrong he has not served God well because his children made a mockery of the Lord and Eli did nothing Samuel hears the call and he is compelled by Eli to share this bad news it's a great story we'll have to come back to it another time for sure Keep going and you'll find callings for David and the prophet Isaiah and Esther. Most of these calls are actually about a vocation or an occupation. King, prophet, queen. The Apostle Paul adds to this in Ephesians for other occupations. Apostle, prophet again, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. These are all roles a person can fill in a healthy, functioning church from leaders over many churches to a teacher that leads a group of new disciples. It's common these days in pop Christian culture to teach about a calling as a very specific thing in a person's life. You are called to pray for this person, to change this about our culture, and to notice how God keeps bring this thing up in different ways through different people but in the ancient church they were far more focused on the idea of vocation and a general calling on a christian's life we are called by god to live as a believer that's 1st corinthians 7:17 7, called heavenward philippians 3:14 called to a holy life 2nd timothy 1:10 called from darkness to light 1st peter 2:29 We talked last week about the call of God as first to salvation and secondly to bear the fruit of the kingdom of God. This is a general calling on all of us, we know this, but does that mean there aren't specific things we are called to as well? You would know this without some biblical history, but in Ephesians, one of the things Paul is aware of in combating is a very magical view of the world. It was quite popular in that time to practice magic and astrology. Many people believed that if they did an incantation or wore certain clothing, it would protect them from evil. They also thought if the stars were aligned in a certain way, fate would dictate what would happen in their lives. Most of us don't think this way today. We are far more sophisticated, aren't we? Instead, we pray to try and control evil. Instead, we watch for signs in a book or TV or a friend as evidence that God has called us to a specific action. Usually, we end up giving ourselves permission to do the thing we wanted to do anyway. And that, my friends, is not living the life of a Christian called by God. That goes by a very different name. Whenever we name something as God and it is not, in fact, God, we are committing idolatry. We are putting something in the place of God that is not God. And this is a horrible, grave offense to God. Idolatry is one of those key commandments that uh, that are first in the, the, the Ten Commandments. If you are going to name something the call of God on your life, you better be absolutely certain of it. The good news is there is a surefire way to know. Is this God's call? Does God have a specific action he wants you to take? Should you pray for that person to get healed? Three things happen with the call of God and they all come straight from the from the Bible the first one God's call is an invitation and it is an invitation that keeps happening God beckons us to a deeper life in him to a deeper spirituality that gives our lives meaning and purpose Talking to a certain person or making a particular choice is not the ultimate meaning of our lives. Even our jobs, the work we do, is not the most important uh, part of who we are. Our meaning and purpose is found in God. And God keeps calling us to a deeper life in him. So if it's God's call, it's going to do that. Two, God's call is also to be a, a community. We are the church, the gathered believers that put our trust in God. Is, is life scary sometimes? Yes. Is life difficult? Yes. But that doesn't mean God isn't there with us. And the church is the visible sign of God's presence with us. The calling of God is to be a part of this community. In the Greek, the word is koinonia, And it doesn't just mean having a good coffee hour after church. It's this deep connection that you sense with other Christians. If you haven't felt it, you might not know what I'm talking about. But to know that others know you and love you and support you no matter what, that's koinonia. And God calls us to build that here. Make this church real community that shares real love with those around us. Number three, the call is also to a fruitful life. This is probably the most obvious part of knowing whether something is God's call. Does it bear God's fruit? Does it bring a deeper sense of love and joy and peace? Does this action build others up? Does it flow from loving your neighbor and even loving your enemies? These are the ways we know when something is God's call on us. When I was in high school, I helped start a a Bible club on our campus. I thought I was taking a stand as a witness for Jesus Christ. I thought I was being light in the dark and evil halls of my school's campus. I'd like to think I've matured some since those days, but there is one way that I am certain that this group was answering the call of God. One day, when our Bible club was meeting, we had a couple of new people join with us. We always started by asking for people's prayer requests, and we would write them down so that we could keep track of who we were praying for and what happened with those situations over time. Well, one of the new people, Brandon, shared his prayer request. We prayed, we read some scriptures, and then we talked about what we thought the scriptures meant. Brandon had lots of questions. He just kept at it. Well, what about this? What does this mean? Why would God do that? It was a really fun, lively, wonderful conversation, and we wanted Brandon to come back. So we told him to come back to the next meeting, and he did. He kept coming back, and one day he asked about getting saved, and me and my brother led Brandon in the sinner's prayer. He became a regular at our meetings and started coming to church with us. We were friends. We were building Christian community. It was only after all this that he told us about that first meeting. Brandon was deeply involved in the occult. He would practice magic and try to put spells on other people. When he found out about our Bible club, he came to the meeting to disrupt it and tell us what fools we were. But when he got there, he said we were so nice to him, he didn't want to interrupt. He didn't even want to leave. He wanted to know that there was something more to his life than empty magic and meaningless pain. He wanted to know that God loved him no matter what, and our small group of Bible thumpers was a sign of that truth. He didn't want to leave because with us, he felt God's love. God loves Brandon and keeps inviting him to a deeper relationship with the Lord and with the church. God desires Him and all of us to bear the fruits of the kingdom that all might know God's love. God's call is for us to share this good news with everyone everywhere. So whatever your job, whatever loving relationships you may have, let's speak the truth in love that all may know God's call on their lives. Whether it's general, general, or a specific one. Amen? Amen.
0: For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at GUMC.org.